Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, this is Ryan here with Alex, and we've got a little bit of basketball to talk. Um, first round of the playoffs coming to an end. Second round getting underway. Uh, Milwaukee looks terrible. Um, where do we start? Alex, what do you want to start with? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it makes sense to, to start with Milwaukee because they are currently playing basketball right now and mm-hmm. embarrassing themselves. Um, because I just, first of all, there were plenty of people picking the, the Bucks to win that series, mm-hmm. you know, and that was pre-Harden getting hurt. Yeah. You know, like there were plenty of people, like smart people, that were doing that. And I just, like, you just have to give up on them, you know? Like, they are not a contender. They've never been a contender. And I don't think they ever will be, you know, even with Giannis. I like Giannis a lot, but he's not a guy that can create his own shot. He's not a guy that can create shots for others overly efficiently, especially in the half court. Like, he is. A, an incredible, an incredible number two player on a championship team, but he is not a guy that makes you a contender by himself like others in the league do. Yeah, um, it's um, it's oh, there's just so much to talk about. I, you know, I forgive the people who were high on the Bucks coming into the series because they did just dismantle Miami, uh, the only sweep in the first round. I guess talking about the first round matchups, uh, Bucks Heat. Um, you know, one thing we're gonna do in this episode is sort of talk about the meaningfulness of the results of these playoff series, and I think this is one of the least meaningful, um, just right off the bat, because um, it essentially just demonstrates what I think everybody already knew, um, which is that the Heat really, really benefited from the bubble, um, and that right. Jimmy Butler is actually maybe not the best basketball player in the world. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that, that that definitely played a role, you know, and and I'm not, you know, as a person that, you know, really likes the Lakers, I'm not here to try to discredit anybody for having success in the bubble. But um, I do think that there was a, a certain aspect of, you know, first of all, the matchups just were incredible for them, you know, like they got to play Milwaukee in the second round, mm-hmm. they knocked them out, and then Boston, you know, they're they were a good team, but you know, I think we saw this year that Boston has some issues, you yeah. know? And so with Miami last year, I don't necessarily, you know, I think they were, they had a great run, but yeah, I think that, you know, Milwaukee kind of showed that, you know, they at least got that figured out and they showed that Miami wasn't a serious team. You know, they're a good team, but they're not a team that's going to really challenge the best of the best. Right. And Milwaukee really, really showed that in that series. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is like when we talk about like there's just not much more meaningful to say about that series. Um, Milwaukee was a much better basketball team than Miami. Tyler Hero is not an all star. Like um, right. <laughs> and like um, the like let's. Hmm. Other things that we take about. What do you feel? How do you feel about Bam coming out of that series? Yeah, I mean, I think Bam is. I still like him. You know, I think that he's a guy that, you know, if he is, 
you know, I, I don't know necessarily if he's like a, a star player, but he is the kind of player that every team in the league would like to have. Yeah. Because he is a big man that can do a lot of different things. You know, he can pass, he can initiate offense. And then defensively, he can guard most players, you know? Like, so <laughs> I think what happened in this series is that the fact that Jimmy was horrendous. I think Jimmy yeah. averaged 14 points a game in the series. And then, you know, Drogic didn't have the season that he had last season. Tyler Hero wasn't the player he was last year, you know? So, like, his the importance of him being an offensive threat, like, really increased in that series. And that's just not Bam, you know? And, like, if, if that's what you're asking him to do, you know, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily to this level. But, you know, if, if the Warriors were asking Draymond Green to be a guy that needed to average 20 points a game, he's going to look pretty bad doing it, you know, and it's probably going to affect other aspects of his game as well, you know, and I think that that really is kind of what happened to Bam in that series, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I also think, like, I mean, Bam is a good passing big man, but um, I think the heat of the heat in the bubble certainly helped um, him in fostering that reputation last year yeah. um sure uh and which is not to say that like and this is again this isn't to say that he's like not as good as people thought he was or whatever but it's just like you know your assist numbers go up and it's easier like there's more space for plays when everyone around you is on fire right well that's i mean remember how good jay crowder was in the bubble last year yeah and like now in phoenix like he had a couple of good games against the lakers but you know, the beginning of that series, he was shooting like 8% from three, you yeah. know? And so you get a guy like that that's knocking down threes at like a crazy high level. Tyler Hero was going nuts. Duncan Robinson was going crazy. Jimmy Butler. Like they just, it was kind of a perfect storm for them last year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, put setting the bubble aside, like the guys just shot really well, you know, and that that happens. Sometimes your guys don't shoot well. And we'll, we'll get to that with the, with the Lakers later, I'm sure. But right. um so yeah that's that's like probably yeah like you said not an overly consequential series and i think that what is proving that out is the fact that milwaukee looks completely outmatched against a brooklyn team that doesn't have their second best player right now yeah Um, down 24 at halftime right so like it could have been one of those things where oh milwaukee really faced their you know demons head on and beat the shit out of the the heat and they're great now they're a true contender but that's not the case you know they're still milwaukee they still have problems um and it just turns out that miami is is not the the kind of team that that they thought they were you know coming into this season i do think also because i'm going to make this excuse with the lakers later um just forewarning for everybody like miami did have to play more basketball in the bubble and they had a shorter off season than anyone else other than the Lakers, you know? So like they weren't necessarily. And I, I think it's true for a lot of the teams that, that went far in the playoffs, that they weren't necessarily set up for success coming into this season when the NBA decided that it was more important to have, you know, a 72 game season on a reasonably normal schedule rather than giving guys time to rest. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's totally fair, um, to Miami though. I, I, I do think that it definitely affected the Lakers more. 
Oh, sure. Um, with some other things, other things affected the Lakers this season as well. But yeah, um, with the Bucks now, um, maybe getting swept by the Nets here. It's early to call that, but like, geez, does it look bad? Um, I think you got you and I are in agreement that at this point they pretty much have to fire Bud. Yeah, I mean, like. You know, they did, you know, I think Sam maybe in our last podcast talked about how, like, it seemed like Bud didn't take the, the regular season quite as seriously in terms of feeling like you have to win every game. And, like, maybe he was, you know, trying some stuff out this year that was was going to help in the playoffs. But, like, you know, I go on to Twitter, you know, I watch the series and then I go on Twitter and it's, I see, you know, I have people that I follow that are, you know, they've watched every Bucks game and they're complaining about the exact same stuff that they were last year. Yeah. You know, so like, what's the point? What are we doing here? You know, at a certain point, like, you got to try something else. And to me, when I look at the Bucks, I think that the only way they are going to be able to take a step as a team is if, you know, maybe you can find a roster that can really accommodate Giannis as a center more often, not necessarily as a starting center. But, like, in big games, you play Giannis a ton of minutes as the center. Um, yeah. But that would require them finding, you know, someone better than Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton to initiate the offense. Um, and that – so they're, they're kind of stuck, honestly. I don't, I don't think that we can ever really consider Milwaukee a true contender um, unless they somehow find a, a true initiator that they just aren't going to be able to find. Because you know, yeah. those guys, those guys aren't available very often, and they spent all of their assets on Drew Holiday, which I thought was an okay trade. You know, it's I, yeah, know. I liked the idea of Drew on this team. I thought he's yeah. a, a huge upgrade over Bledsoe. Um, yeah, but I think it's really obvious that what Giannis needs, if he's going to be uh, on a championship contender, is an elite guard. He needs Dame. You know, or you know, someone like that. Pretty much. Um, which we're going to have to flesh this out. Um, Milwaukee really doesn't have anything um, they could possibly ever trade ever again. So I think they're going to have to trade Giannis to Portland. Um, right. There we go. Let's make this happen. <laughs> Being a GM is easy. Um, Being a GM is easy, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, to me, that's that's the Bucks. They're not going to win anything the way they are now. Yeah, I think you're no, right. They're a fake contender. It's unfortunate. You know, and if, you know, Giannis likes being there. And, yeah. you know, he signed the he signed the Supermax extension. He's going to be there for a long time. And I think that there's value in being a good team because you're going to be a good team with him, you know. Sure. And yeah. you won't ever win it. And I, I do think at a certain point Giannis is competitive enough that he's going to want to leave because he's going to know that he can't win it there. I think he's going to do everything in his power to try to do it there. But at a certain point, he's going to figure it out and he's going to want to leave. I think the same thing's going to happen with Dame in Portland. You know, yeah. So maybe they'll meet up on a different team. So, Right. Um, so maybe anyways. Oakland. Um, yeah, so the um, – I think that the Bucks are – just like from a Thunder fan perspective, I think that the Bucks are instructive as an example of like – this is this is what happens when this shot goes wrong, right? Like this is I I mean I don't know. 
Would you be okay if the Thunder ended up like the Bucks at the end of all this? Uh, Where they're like going to be a home seed every year, but they're probably never going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I I think you kind of have to take that, to be honest. You know, like obviously I have – I would like to have a better team. I would like to have a team that is on the level of the previous Thunder teams that I thought could win and could win a title. I almost said national title. Good lord. Um, but I, I, I would take today what the Bucks are, you know. And I, because what would have to happen for that, you know, the the Thunder would have to find another really good player, yeah, to put with Shea. And for that to happen, they would have to hit one of these draft picks and. If they do that, that's a good outcome. And if you get a young player that can be, you know, similar to Giannis, or maybe I don't, maybe not even that good, but you know, pair that with Shea, you've got an eight-year run of of really good basketball, and you can kind of, you can have fun with that. And um, so, yeah, the reality is like it's not overly likely that Oklahoma City is ever going to win a title. So. Um, you know, you know, shaking your head at, at what the Bucks have, I think, would be a mistake as a Thunder fan. Um, but you know, obviously, we would like to get lucky and have have a chance to win, like right. a true chance. You know, like we what like a, we did in 2012. So, how about the price they paid to get here? Um, do you think it was ultimately worth it? Because um, they're going to be really bad in like five years. The Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like. They, you know, they hit on a number 15 pick. Yeah. And it, it completely worked out better than they could have ever dreamed. They hit on a guy in Chris Middleton who was just like a throwaway in a trade. They had a lot of good luck. They did a lot of really good things. And at the end of the day, they didn't know how to get that that last step. You know, they didn't know how to take that last step. Um, and it... You know, they had a good run, though, like because in five years, this will have been like a an eight or nine year run. That's true. That's they were the best team in the league, you know, regular season wise the last two years. Um, And then they you know, this year they were good again and they'll probably be good again next year. You know, there are moves along the way that you look at and, you know, they shouldn't have let Malcolm Brogdon go. Yeah, because if you don't let Malcolm Brogdon go, you probably don't have to trade for Drew Holiday. Then you could trade for someone else. Yeah, you know, and that might fix fix the problems that you have, but yeah, I think that's yeah, that's fair. And also, I say in five years, but like, I don't know, Giannis, Giannis is still twenty. He's twenty six. Yeah, so he'll like he'll be at the at he'll like be a full time center in five years for sure, which will be like honestly really good for him. Yeah, it'll be good for that team if they build it if they build it right. Yeah. He might he might just be a monster center. So yeah, I I, I don't want to completely diminish what Milwaukee has done, but I, I do think that you know don't go into next year considering them as a contender because they're not. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe they pull something and turn this Brooklyn series around. I highly doubt it, but um, yeah, I, I just think that 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 kind of narrative is over. You know, no matter what they do. You know, because they're not going to be able to find a guy of the caliber of of creator that they need to put with Giannis to like truly make themselves a contender. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we've talked about what I think was the least meaningful 
uh, playoff series. Oh, maybe not the least meaningful, no. but maybe so. Um, <laughs> the least meaningful playoff series for 15 minutes now. Um, do we want to move on? Yeah, let's. I want to go to to Philly and Washington because this okay. one is also fairly meaningless. This, I, this one, this was my contender for all, also the most meaningless. Yeah, and uh, let's start with Washington really quickly. Um, yeah, they. Washington, I this is the kind of team that I would I would never want to be a fan of, because yeah, they their owner is just completely advert you know he will not let them tank ever, you know and he wants to keep Bradley Beal they're holding Bradley Beal hostage and I know Bradley Beal wants to be there um, which is just crazy to me like I you know good for him I guess but like dude go somewhere and play winning basketball he's too good to be there. Um, you know, yeah. Russ had this like amazing triple double season and it was fun to see Russ get to do that again, but you know, it was still the same Russ. Yeah. He can't, he can't shoot in the playoffs. His efficiency was insanely low. Yeah. You know, and he did win just, a game going through 19 though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the game they actually won is the one he shot three of 19. Like it, it's just Russ, but like, I'm, I'm glad we're off the Russ train. You know, I've I've been fairly clear about that, but and like, what is what is Washington gonna do? Like, they've got Rui Hashimura, they've got Denny Avdia. Like, so I guess theoretically, there's some upside there in terms of maybe moving out of the play-in spots. But like, you're looking like as a six seed is like the highest possible ceiling for this team, and that just to me is like the worst place in the world to be. So, um, yeah. and this series was just like. I didn't I didn't watch much of it, you know, because I knew how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Philly is they're fine. You know, they're a good team. And Washington's just they're they're mediocre. I think that getting rid of Scott Brooks will probably help them in terms of, you know, maybe they'll find a coach that can craft a defense. That's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, it's um, I think Washington was like a neat story the second half of this season. Um, but literally just that. Um, and I, I mean, yeah, I don't think we learned anything in this series. Obviously the 76ers should win, should have beat them. And they did. Um, what, what about Philly? How do you feel like, obviously they've had, I mean, they're the one seed in the East. Like they had a much better season this year than last year. Honestly, I really, I think that they're very similar to Milwaukee in that they are, not an actual contender um, in terms of ever making the finals or anything. Um, I do like Embiid a lot. And, you know, Simmons is, if nothing else, a super interesting player that is, he does a lot of things really well. Um, But I just, I don't really see much upside with Philly beyond what they are this season. Yeah. um, I think, um, yeah. I'm I'm trying to avoid saying that I think they should trade Ben Simmons, um, but they should trade Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. That, I mean, they're gonna be really good with him and Embiid on the team. They're gonna yeah. they're they're gonna be like Milwaukee. They're gonna be a home seed every single year. They're gonna be incredible defensively every single year. Yeah. But he's not a guard. Right. <laughs> he this should the- play the five. This is the team that if 
Damian Lillard becomes available at all, you empty the clip to get him. Oh, yeah. If you can. Yeah. You throw the Nets trade at them. You throw yeah. Simmons and four first-round draft picks and as many swaps as they yeah. want. By the way, Dame. fire Tillman Fertitta into the goddamn sun. Yeah, no kidding. Because Joel and Harden would be amazing. And yeah. it would make the East amazing this year. Yeah. No, for real. Like, Nets versus Sixers, that would be an incredible series. For sure. But... The you know the Rockets decided that the four shitty first round picks and Victor Oladipo was a better yeah. return. Like oh my god, what a literally what a just literally just pettiness ruining yeah. that franchise for real. And like even if it's not, even if you're if you're gonna make the trade with the Nets, just take Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Yeah, you know you don't. Why did they do the the Oladipo thing? Like. I, it, I, it I really no think that the time. just thinks he, he would be better at putting butts in seats, but he forgot. I guess he didn't watch basketball the past couple of years. Um, right. Apparently not. Like it just at the time it looked bad and it looks even worse now because I think they traded him for like a fake second round pick. So um, just a nightmare for yeah, the Rockets. Just miserable. Um, it's nice to have their be- future picks. Though. Yeah, it's awesome. Fan. Um, I wish Daryl had done a worse job with the protections on them. Yes, same, same. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. Like, if imagine if there wasn't any protections on this year's swap, how freaking crazy that would be. It would be amazing. You know? Or if yeah. it was just like top one protected, you know? Right. But yeah. As it is, we have like a 50% chance or like a 48% chance of getting the number five pick, which is awesome. But it's just, yeah, it could have been even better. So, yeah. Too bad. Daryl should have done a worse job before he left for, for Philly. So, yeah. Um, cool. <sighs> let's move on. Let's go over to, let's go over to the West a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, if we're talking just consequential, I don't think we learned much in the Utah Memphis series other no. than, I think Jaw's cool. badass. I think yeah. Jaw's great, but we already knew that. Yeah. You know, like John cool. got them, got them to the playoffs. He beat Steph, you know, well, he beat the, they beat the Warriors and, you know, but that, that's cool. You know, Memphis is, I think they're very close to running into a problem that they're going to be like, oh crap, we have one guy, you know, and a bunch of good role players, which they do. Yeah. That was awesome, but they don't have a second guy. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. He's a role player. He's a good one. You know, there's yeah. a lot of teams that would like to have a, a seven foot or six eleven guy that can shoot forty percent from three, but like that's all he does. You know, and he's a good defensive player, but like, you know, that's that's his ceiling. You know, I, I don't think he has a lot of creation ceiling, um, so I, I do think they're going to run into an issue in that way. Um, but you know, I think Mem- Memphis has never been a team like they love those grit and grind teams. And they were never true contenders. And I think that that's kind of what they're headed for again. Yeah. I mean, I think JJJ, Brandon Clark, theoretically, that's really fun. I I didn't watch much Memphis this year. Did Brandon Clark ever fix his shot or is it just broken forever now? Uh, Yeah, I think he he had a bad bad season um, overall. Because last year he was like outlier good for him. Yeah. I mean, this year he kind of came back down. Yeah, I mean, he shot 61% from the field last year. This year it was down to 51%. Okay. So. Ooh. Um, but, yeah, um, they, um, no, they, like, if they want to be, if they want to contend, they need to put somebody next to Ja. Um, 
It's so weird that Kyle Anderson is still playing basketball. I don't know. And he plays a lot for them. Like, he's a yeah. big-time yeah. guy for them. How so. old is – how old Slomo? I think he's probably younger than you imagine him. He's 27? Yeah. I mean, he's I played like he a 38-year-old. Like he's played like a 38-year-old since he was 19 years old. So, like, it, <laughs> it makes sense. But I love that. Oh, yeah. man. Grayson Allen is the first name on the roster. I guess well, it's alphabetical. I guess that's yeah. why that is. But it's just right. very Memphis. It's very Grizzlies. That well, is. Their space is staring at me on their roster page. They're interesting. They have DeAnthony Melton. They have they have a bunch of guys that like NBA draft Twitter loved. You know, Xavier oh, yeah. Tillman. They have Desmond Bain. All of those guys like NBA draft Twitter loved. But all of those guys are like they're good role players, you know, and so. I mean, they're going to run into an issue. They're never going to be a true contender. But, um, hey, they knocked it out of the park with, with John Morant. So, good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we learned anything about Utah. Like, I think, you know, I, we're, we're not going to really talk a lot of second-round stuff. But do you think they can beat the Clippers in a series? Um, I think um, – I guess it depends on if the Clippers have any way to exploit Gobert on the perimeter. And I don't know yeah. if they do. Well, they, yeah. Here, what, I, what I'll what i say is if the Clippers play like they did against the Mavs, the, the Jazz will beat them. But I think there's a chance that the Clippers, like that Mavs series will have kind of like galvanized them and kind of turned them into a better team because they finally – faced adversity and got through it um yeah and, and i mean they're yeah. they're gonna have the best player in the in the series Kawhi's yeah, absolutely. On the court. so um i think it could be a good series you know utah's gonna have to shoot really well from three um to, to really be able to win it um you know yeah my my nba slander narratives have they've gone to shambles so far because seeing how the the nets are playing and how the the clippers are playing it's it's not great for me but no it is it is what it is yeah i do think like if paul george has like paul george had a really good series against the mavs which is super annoying um yeah and um like he's kind of a streaky guy and I think that if his outside shooting falls off, like that's a real problem for the Clippers against Utah. Well, you know who's you know who's waiting for him in this next series. It's, it's yeah, true. it's the jing, it's the you know, he's gonna get jingled all the way. Yeah, like so maybe 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 we're in for that again, and that would be just that would be beautiful. It would be fun really to be able hate, to yeah to be happy I about really watching hate, that happen. Yeah, but, I really do hate that I'm in a position where I have to root for the Jazz to win a series. Yeah, yeah, because fuck the Jazz. I don't like them. Never have. Never will. But yeah, I do. I do want them to beat the Clippers. But yeah. um, I, and I, I do. I do think we'll, we'll learn a lot about Donovan Mitchell in the series because the. I mean, the Clippers have a bunch of guys to throw at him, and right. yeah, I also we'll think see how he reacts could, to that. Yeah. I think the Clippers could also put him in the position where it's just like Donovan Mitchell shoots the Jazz out of the series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or maybe, he like maybe he could have Maybe yeah. he hits the shots and he has like that, you know, when he played the Thunder, you know, his, I think that was his rookie year. Like he carried them through that series, you know, maybe he's ready to do that. So I hope so. Honestly, I don't, I don't dislike Donovan Mitchell. 
I dislike a bunch of other things about that team, but Donovan Mitchell is not one of them. So, um, all right, let, let's move on to to another series. Let's go to Boston and, and Brooklyn because mm-hmm. you know, in this one on paper, it looks like a huge matchup, you know. But yeah, Boston was just too injured to really learn anything. Um, I think the thing that I have learned is that you know earlier this season, I think I was fairly like openly against the idea of Harden with KD and Kyrie. But the reality that I think I'm kind of coming around to is it's just, you can't have too many high level shot makers and creators on your team. You know, like, yeah, it, I think that there's a reality with the nets that like, you're not getting the most out of each player because there's too much of it to go around, but that's not really a problem. You're still awesome. You know? So, I, I will I will take the L for my for my take on the on the Nets. You know, it was a good trade. They made a great trade. J- James Harden's really good. And another thing that I'll I want to talk about, and we'll talk more when we get to the to the Mavs. But like the idea of putting, I guess, criticizing players for being ball hogs, like we like we have with Harden. I think that that is a kind of a lazy take that we all that we kind of have because if you look at those Rockets teams with James Harden, that was literally what they were set up to do. You know, I'm he loved doing it and like that was great, but it didn't mean that that was the only thing he could do. I think and you're I, right. I think yeah. we've seen that in Brooklyn. You know, like these guys are so good at basketball. NBA players mm-hmm. are so good, especially star NBA players. So like asking Guys like James Harden and Luca, we'll talk about later. Asking those guys to change their game to accommodate other awesome players is not a big deal. It's not the big deal that I think we kind of make it out to be. Um, and so that's kind of a, a kind of change in how I view basketball. I think that I will have to to take into consideration moving forward. Right. Um, um, well, I also I think it does demonstrate the degree to which like those rock like. James Harden on the Rockets could have been fun that whole time, um, but they decided that that wasn't efficient enough. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, and I think that, you know, the, I think Maury, like I, I really, you know, I hated watching those those Rockets teams. I still hate watching Harden play. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't do it unless I am really, if it's like the only game on, but um, I just... James Harden's awesome. He's just an awesome basketball player. And I've, I've criticized him a lot and he's, you know, yeah, he's failed in the playoffs, but like, he's still freaking good and it's super annoying. And yeah. I don't, it's just like, I, I, I mean, I think this, this is maybe a silly analogy. Like you think about like you're playing FIFA, right. And you're on like the lowest difficulty level. And it's like, I mean, you could just, like, pass it up to your striker and dribble through the whole defense and score every time. But, like, that's probably not what you do, right? <laughs> you try and set up, like, a 20-pass sequence so you can walk it into an open goal because you can. And I yeah. think, like, when you've got three offensive players at this transcendental level, like, they could be really boring. They're choosing not to because it's more fun. Um, they're enjoying yeah. it more. And they can. Yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like... You know, when you if if all you do in FIFA is the easiest thing, 
when you turn up the difficulty, which happens in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you don't have that other way of playing kind of locked in, then you've got problems because they can always play boring basketball if they need to. But right. the fact that they don't necessarily do it all the time and they have fun and they do more, they pass more essentially is what we're saying here. Um, they're they're going to be more prepared for, for whatever they see in the playoffs, you know? So I really hate that I'm saying, cause I don't like the nets and I, I don't want them to be successful, but yeah. that's, it's, that's just yeah. reality. At the end and of the like, day, it's just really annoying that a team that a super team that uh, was literally just vibes, um, no yeah. no front office strategy, just vibes, um, yeah. is gonna walk to the finals. Um, I, I say that like they're still gonna have to beat Philly, um, but they probably can do that. They're gonna um, walk at the, the moment. Finals. They're up eighty one fifty eight on the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's wild. Like Kevin Durant's so good at basketball, and like. You know, with we talk about LeBron all the time about being this just super freak athlete that, you know, is you know he should not be as good as he is as a 36 year old. Like that's just reality. Kevin Durant's gonna be the same way. You know, we're gonna look up. Kevin Durant's gonna be 38 years old, and he's gonna be about the same. I think, to be yeah. completely honest. Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna average like 25 and eight. Yeah, super efficiently, because his game, like his game, has changed over the years. And if you watch him play, nothing he does really involves his athleticism. You know, if he loses a step, mm-hmm. it's not really going to change anything for him. Yeah. You know, like that, like, that 2017 Warriors team, um, I think was the most like he demonstrated his athletic potential. I mean, apart from like the Thunder teams, but like, especially on the defensive end, like, yeah. That 2017 Warriors team was probably going to be like peak, like Kevin Durant trying really hard on defense, yeah, um, and utilizing the full range of his athleticism. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he just hasn't had to, hadn't hasn't had to, right? Yeah, and and with the Nets, like also like he's pretty much a full time four, yeah, which is probably what he should have been doing for years. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the th- the Thunder should have been the team that brought in small ball to the league, but they just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's one of those mistakes that you, I, I think about too often. <laughs> so um, what, what do we think about Boston? Because there's, they've had like the weirdest year ever. You know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Danny Ainge has like monumentally mismanaged this team for like the last three years. Um, yeah. And like they have, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, they've done the hard part. They've got the Jason Tatum, who is freaking awesome. They have Jalen Brown, who is, like, a really, really good second-best player. And they just can't put together a team around them. And Danny Ainge has failed miserably at that. You know, they've signed free agents that were really good. They've lost them all. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have traded for Miles Turner, but they decided they wanted a chance to trade for Evan Fournier instead. You know, they've they've really sucked at doing the part that theoretically should be easier than other aspects of of building a team. And I, you know, now it's Brad Stevens's job to figure out what they need to do. Um, But they still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So, like, they're not done, you know. Yeah, they they have a future. And, you know, as long as you have Jason Tatum, you're going to be a playoff team because he's freaking good. Yeah. Wow, they are so thin. It's just wild. Um, 
They are so terrible in the front court. I mean, apart yes. from like the fact that Jason Tatum is like, yeah, it's theoretically, just a big like they a don't guy have a big man. Play for, but like, yeah, they don't have a um, big guy. Yeah, they like they've got the Time Lord who is six eight. Right. Like, I He's like probably him. Probably their best big, yeah. But like, right. no, right. And then behind him, they've got Luke Cornett and Taco Fall. <laughs> right. Well, they just gave up on Daniel Tice. They just yeah. to avoid the tax this year. Yeah. You know, like who was a decent player? Like he's like, you know, if he's playing center for you, you feel decent about it. He's undersized, just like Time Lord. But like, yeah, they're they're a weird team. But they, you know, they have, you know, they're. I don't know what they're gonna do with Kemba. You know, there's been yeah. some people. We haven't. We didn't talk about Kemba at all so far. Um. I think that's pretty indicative of what they're going to do with Kemba. Right. Um, I don't think he really has a future on the team. Um, his whole tenure on the Celtics is weird uh, in hindsight because it's like, I mean, I guess it was better than paying Terry. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just a weird thing because I honestly think it was a panic move because they lost Kyrie yeah. For nothing, which, you know, you shouldn't lose Kyrie for nothing. You know, they should have known they weren't going to re-sign that guy, you know. And after, like, the first year, it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to sign long-term with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they lost Kyrie for nothing, so they felt like they had to get a guard. And Kimba was the best one available in that draft, in that free agent class. Right. So th- I feel like they just kind of signed him because they could without really thinking – of the fact that he's like a 31 or 32 year old small point guard that doesn't play defense. He's like the exact not, he's exactly not the kind of player that you want to put with awesome wings that can create on their own, you know? So like, it was just, it was not a good signing in that way, even though like from a talent acquisition standpoint, it was good, but it just hasn't worked out. And they're now they're going to pay the price for that because they paid him a ton of money. God, they are so – their roster is so weird. Um, yeah. Um, Evan Fournier, no. Um, <laughs> Which now they have they have to re-sign Evan Fournier because why would you have traded for him if you're not going to bring him back? Right, you exactly. Know? Well, it, so here's the, here's the thing we haven't talked about with the Celtics um, is – and the reason, like, this was a really meaningful playoff series um, is that the Celtics, um, after they lost, like – Danny Ainge retired. Um, we'll see if that is what actually happened or not. Um, and Brad Stevens moved up into the front office. Yeah. We, which I get Danny Ainge stepping down. Honestly, um, and like, there's a degree to which you can look at this job and say, like, this isn't really a fireable offense. Like, but this roster's kind of a mess. Um, I think the bigger problem is that I actually do think that like he the Isaiah Thomas thing like really really soured their ability to land good free agents. Did it though? I mean, it, I mean they signed it, didn't they sign Hayward and Kemba after it though? I mean obviously like I don't think A's, Kemba counts. <laughs> I don't think that counts. I mean I don't um, know though like. I think the Lakers would have loved to sign Kimba that year. I, th- I think that's possible. I think that's probably true. Yeah. But um, like, my, I, I think that 
So, like, I think we've already talked about the degree to which Kemba is kind of a fake good player. And I also think there's a degree to which Gordon Hayward is not going to go with the wins on broader NBA free agent trends. Like, Anthony Davis has come out and said, like, Boston is not on, was not on my list because of what happened to Isaiah Thomas. I just don't believe that, though, to be honest with you. Like, I just think Anthony Davis didn't want to go to Boston. He wanted to go I to the Lakers. There. Yeah. You know, I think he had if, – if you really – asked Anthony Davis at the time he wanted to play with LeBron he wanted to go to the Lakers that was the only team he really wanted to go to mm-hmm. and at the time the Knicks weren't really a viable option so they threw out the Knicks as like a team that like oh yeah we would would love to play in New York the Knicks didn't have enough assets to trade for him right and the Celtics were the only other team that really had the assets and the punch to really get an Anthony Davis mm-hmm. and so they just kind of so they were, you, and you're, they were looking for an excuse to say, right. like, let's trade me to the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. They were like, that, that makes sense. Um, I still think there's a degree to which, like, Ainge, I don't, I don't know if Ainge had it anymore in terms of yeah, relationships no, with fair. players. Well, Ainge is a jackass anyway. So like, I, right. I totally, that makes sense to me and maybe it's true. But like I, I don't know if I can look at I don't think the Anthony Davis is is part of that you know That's like right. I think I think it you know I me as a kind of sort of Lakers fan it is kind of hilarious to me that like the the Celtics is like dream move was to get Kyrie and then trade for Anthony Davis and build their team around those two and both of those guys essentially told him to fuck off like that yeah. is kind of hilarious. Um. And, you know, so I guess in that way, not being aware that you're not an attractive place to do that kind of thing is a is a problem in itself, you know. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, you know, I, I, I'm interested in the move. I think Brad Stevens is still a really smart person and a good basketball mind. Yeah. You know, it's, he's got he's got a lot of criticism, but I think that's just because the expectations for him are so high. Right. Like people like. People were really talking about, like, this is the next Greg Popovich. And I don't think that that is a fair thing to put on anybody's shoulders. Right. Um, It is still odd to me because he's so clearly, like, this is a guy that everyone understood was an X's and O's guy and, like, a good basketball coach. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, like, I don't think being a front office executive is the same skill set. No. Maybe it he's is, a more likable person than Danny Ainge. That's not very hard. No, no, it isn't. But is it easier to get, a, like, is it easier to find a front office executive better than Danny Ainge or to find a basketball coach better than Brett Stevens? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. What I will say is that the the one area that I think you could look at Brad Stevens's history and then what his how his skill set will match up with with being a front office guy is that the dude did evaluate and get a lot of good talent to go to Butler. That's fair. And so that might be something that he has an eye for in terms of draft guys, because Danny Ainge did his own thing. You know, (laughs) I'm not sure Brad Stevens had a lot of say in in who they were drafting. Um, You know, Danny Ainge. Yeah. He hit on Tatum and Brown, which is, he did a really good job. He did the hard part. Well, right. Yeah. He missed on every other pick essentially in the last few years, but, and maybe Brad Stevens, you know, can do a better job with that kind of, you know, those picks are extremely hard to pick. Um, 
but you know maybe that's something Brad Stevens will excel at. Like that's the one skill set that I think like could possibly kind of make its way to to the front office for him. But um, yeah, let's 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 move on from the Celtics. You know they're they're still going to be a team that is a playoff team and. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do this offseason because they've got they've got to make some changes, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they don't have a ton of flexibility to make those changes. So, um, all right. I want to go to the Knicks and the Hawks. Knicks Hawks. OK, the thing that makes this series super significant to me is the fact that Trey Young is a badass. Yeah. And we um, learned that Trey Young is a badass. Yeah. He's he's really good. Did you see that Tibbs is coach of the year? I did. I did. And you know what? That's fine. You know, I think we kind of saw you know, this is a theory like I you know, I think I threw it around in our last pod talking about the Thunder, but like I think the Knicks kind of single-handedly proved that not nobody gave a fuck about this season except for the Knicks and the Thunder when they were playing at the beginning of the season. You know, yeah. like yeah. the Knicks every every bad thing that we thought about their players going into the season that didn't happen this season happened in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, like Julius Randle was this like insanely efficient guy like average like 24 11 and 7 which incredible all-star numbers you know everybody was super high on him and he had one of the like least efficient playoff series in the history of the league yeah oh my god he was unbelievable like his numbers are so bad yeah like it's it's insane how bad he was (laughs) and like that's the hawks you know, this isn't – he wasn't playing – you know, we'll throw Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a good defensive team. He wasn't playing Milwaukee, who was really trying hard to defend him. He was mm-hmm. playing the Hawks. Yeah. The Hawks started him with Danilo Gallinari and DeAndre Hunter for the most part. Yeah. And oh he was God. that inefficient. Oh, my God. He shot 28% from two. Yeah. 30, like 33% from three. He had more turnovers than assists. Yeah. He was horrible. He was super bad. Yeah. No, I definitely think there was a degree to which just being coached by Tom Thibodeau was a huge advantage in the regular season this year because it meant that you had to give a fuck. Yeah, they tried super hard. And and people and people were so desperate for – I mean, the Knicks were not an embarrassment this year. You know, they were a home-seeded playoff team, which is was great for them. And people were so desperate to, to point towards them showing life that they – made them into something they weren't, you know? They couldn't hang with the freaking Hawks, man. Yeah. And I like I like Trey Young. I think Trey Young is, like I said, a badass. But, you know, the Hawks aren't contenders. You know, no. they they're not, they're probably not going to beat Philly in this series. No, I know they won game I, I, one. No. no. But they're um, probably not So, yeah. I Yeah, that that to me was, you know, with the Knicks you know, I'll be interested to see how things go for them next season. First of all, it'll be really interesting to see what they do this off season. You know, what are they going to do with Julius Randle now that they saw that performance? You know, what are they? Mm-hmm. You know, and the free agent pool sucks this year. You know, it's not a good year to have cap room for the for free agents. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. What they do with that. One thing I will like, I am. I have been 
fairly impressed with RJ Barrett because yeah. I kind of thought he was going to suck in the NBA whenever he got drafted by the Knicks. And he doesn't suck, you know, like he's, no. he's a good player. I don't know if he'll ever be like a great player, but he's good. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think he'll be like, he is, he's, you know, on a well-coached team now. And mm-hmm. I mean, a theoretically well-coached team, I don't, uh, my opinion of Tibbs waivers in and out, he's certainly on a hard coach team. Um, yeah. which maybe that's what he needs. Um, and he he really showed ability in the regular season. He's not going to suck. He's not going to be a bust. Um, yeah, he's going to play a billion minutes, too. That's yep. for sure. Yeah. So. Um, dumb question. Do you, have you given up on Frank Nilekina? Yeah, I have. Like I you, mean, you, even at this point, you wouldn't take a flyer on him? You're talking about for the Thunder, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't take a flyer on him just because I think we have guys that are better Nilakinas, you know, on our team. Yeah, you know, that's fair. like I like I if he's gonna come here, like I don't think he'll really play because we have we might be drafting a guard this year. That's true. You know, we have he's Dort, we have Shea, being. we have Maladon. What's he's like six five? He's six four according to Basketball Reference. Um, yeah. I, I he's he's really long, right? Yeah. I, for some reason, I felt like he was like six seven. Um, yeah, got, I think he's got like a six eleven wingspan or something along okay. those lines. Well, but no. Yeah. That's yeah. I, you know, I think I think another team should take a chance on him, but I I don't think that team should be the Thunder. Yeah. Um, that makes but, sense. Yeah. I agree. Now with the Hawks, you know, like I said, Trey Young has looked awesome, and I. Like he's also kind of his personality is really shining through in this, oh, this yeah playoffs, which is great. Um, yeah, it's just it's really fun to watch a player who just generally loves to be booed. Yeah, no, it's great. It is super great, and I think I think the way like he kind of came up because he was he was Trey Young for a long time in Oklahoma. Like people knew oh, who yeah. he was. People hated him all coming up because of the way he plays too. Like people don't like when you come into their high school gym and start shooting from half court and hitting and people don't like that. So like he's, he's probably been booed his entire life. And so going into, to Madison square garden is it was, it was probably really cool for him. And yeah, he played his ass off. Like he's, he's an elite NBA point guard. I mean, that is just the reality. And I, I think the Hawks, have put together a team that has enough guys around him that do that make up for his deficiencies that they're, they're going to be a pretty reasonably good team for a while. I think, you know, I, I worry, you know, I don't think they'll ever be a contender because they just aren't going to have that second guy they need. Um, but I do really like Deandre Hunter. Um, it's too bad. Cam Reddish hasn't really worked out. Mm-hmm. Like Cam Reddish was really, they needed Cam Reddish to be that guy. And he just isn't. You know, and that's unfortunate. They're, I mean, they're never going to live down not drafting Luca. It was still, it's still stupid. No matter how good Trey is, it's still dumb. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, which is, I mean, we'll. I think the natural transition from here is to the uh, Mavs Celtic or to the Mavs Clippers series um, okay. because of that trade. Um, just yeah. they did not win that trade. Stop. Cease. No. Just because like they beat the Knicks, a fake good team. 
and the right. like after probably pushing um to be playoff ready too early um while the Mavs um have really done nothing to build around Luka uh, right. and they lost to the goddamn Clippers in 7 7 it's not the same it's not the same Luka is still a much better player like and you were talking in five or six years, Luka is going to be one of the best, like maybe the best player in the NBA. I think that's possible. I I think you could uh, rephrase that statement, and then in like a year or two, he's going to be maybe the best player in the league. He is, he is unbelievable. Like yeah. I've I, I've always liked him. You know, I thought he was obviously the number one pick in that draft. Like it made a ton of sense to me. But my God, like he is so freaking good at basketball. Like. The things he did in the in that Clipper series, like I just, you know, routinely was just laughing at some of the stuff he was doing. Like the dude is unreal, and like I, I think he's a top three player in the league right now. He's in his third year in the league. He was first team All NBA in his second year in the league. I think he's legitimately the third best player in the NBA in the world right now. I don't know if I will go that far, but honestly. When you look at how poor of a job the Mavs have done building around him, I think that that's not an indefensible take. It still feels toasty. Um, yeah. He, yeah. And there, I, mean, like, he's also I put that a... timeline out there because, like, I mean, the previous generation of superstars is starting to age out, but they're all going to age really – well, not all of them. A lot of them are going to age really gracefully. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Luca is Luca's really good. Yeah, not there's been a lot of talk about him and versus Kawhi in that series. And that that's one of the things I want to talk about on this is I get really annoyed when I hear, you know, because, you know, the popular thing now is that, you know, Kawhi out, you know, he was the best player in the series and, you know, they they won the series because of Kawhi and he was unbelievable. Kawhi was great. Mm-hmm. Why it was fantastic. But what I get really annoyed with is when you don't take into consideration how hard people's jobs are and how they do with them. And Kawhi's job compared to Luca's job in that series is not comparable. Right. And how hard like, it was. Yeah. I mean, Kawhi. Hmm. I think it's frustrating um, figuring out exactly how like hard Kawhi or like how good Kawhi is obviously he's incredible like yeah don't get me wrong but just in terms of like he is so like so much of what he does all year is about conservation yeah um and the result is like when he needs to he can do things like what he did in game six what Game six, yeah, exactly. I couldn't remember if it was six or seven, then he just obliterated them. Yeah. Um he's like he's capable of doing that, you know. You know, when in like he he's not the greatest defender in the world undisputedly anymore, because he just chooses to conserve that energy so he can do things like what he did in game six. Um yeah. and he has the and the difference between him and Luca is that he has the opportunity to do so. And right. like you look at Luca's field goal percentage declining quarter after quarter because he's literally doing everything. Um, yeah. 
what in game five, right? When was it game five? The I can't remember which game in the series was which. The one where he was responsible for something like 70% of the Mavs points. That was game five. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just, that's. He did it again in game in seven, too. But, yeah. Yeah. Game five was, yeah. But, I mean, the series was crazy because the the road team won every game until game seven, first mm-hmm. of all, which was just insane. But, you know, the, but, like, I just, I just look at, like, Kawhi, Paul George, as much as I hate it, Paul George played really well in the series. Yeah, he did. As much as I hate it, also Reggie Jackson played really well. Mark, yeah, Marcus Morris did. played well. You know, they just got performances God, from the guys. The are just this astonishing collection of hateable guys. Yeah, they are. They really um, are. Um, but he got, he just got so much help. You know, and like the art, you know, get get this guy help. Kawhi has it. Luka doesn't. Yeah. They were playing Boban. They they literally had to play Boban. That's that's not a place you want to be in the playoffs. You know? Yeah. Luka's the guy that's supposed to be Luka's second best player was like their fourth or fifth fifth best player in the series at best. Yeah. You know? Like it's it is a problem what the Mavs have done around you know to put talent around Luka. Um which yeah, do we want to talk about some some trades, right? For for, for Zingus, the zinger, the zingman, zingy yeah. boy. Uh, he um has. I mean, it just hasn't worked. He I sucked think. in the series. Yeah, he he's sucked. bad. He's bad. Um, I think it was like game four. Where I was like, oh, here we go. This like they started the game, like immediately like dumped it into him on two deep post touches, and he scored like back to back buckets. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. It's the it's the Przingis game. He's got it back. Yeah. Um no, absolutely wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's just and and he's worse defensively too. Like he is not a good defensive player. He I can't tell you how many times, like, especially early in the series, like he was just like letting dudes cut in from the wing and get layups. You know, that was his position to guard and he just wasn't paying attention. You know, it was super frustrating. He didn't shoot well. And I know he's frustrated that he's not getting the touches, but like, what are they supposed to do? You know, like, are you really saying that you should take the ball to Luka Doncic's hands? You know, and that kind of goes back to my my thing with Harden. Like, you know, I've already already seen the idea of, yeah, the Mavs, they've got to get Luka's usage rate. You can't win playing the way they play. And they like people talk about it as if it's a choice that Luka makes to play that way. No, you know, yeah, exactly. Luka plays that way because he's the only person that can do anything on that team. You know, their second best creator is Jalen Brunson. Jalen okay. Brunson. Love me some Jalen Brunson. Love right. me Dorian Finney-Smith. Right. Tim Hardaway Jr. is like was legitimately their second best player in the series. You know, yeah. like this is not a talented basketball team. And Luka carried them to a seven-game series against a team that many think are a team that will make the finals. Yeah. And they're probably the West favorites to make the finals now. 
Yeah. You know, especially with the Lakers getting knocked out. So like, it's just, it's wild when you consider all of that, like Luca was the best player in that series. You know, they shouldn't have made it to game seven, but because of how unbelievably good he is and they had some hot shooting nights, largely due to what he's able to do in terms of drawing defenders. Yeah. You know, like it's just to me, it's not comparable. You know, I, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Kawhi. I think he's awesome. Like he's an incredible player, but Luca's better. <laughs> Essentially what I'm saying. Luca is a better player than Kawhi, in my opinion. Mm hmm. And, you know, I, 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 I think I said this yesterday in like a text. I'm, I'm going to wind up rooting for for the Mavs to put a team around him because he's so good and he's so fun. He's fun to watch. You know, people compare him to Harden a lot, but he's not he's not really that similar to Harden in terms of like his entire game is not foul hunting. And he like doesn't just take threes and layups like he'll take mid range shots and hit ridiculous step back one-legged fadeaways like he does a lot of things yeah i think he's a guy i think he's a guy who could play like harden and like demonstrates more which is really which is really a very good offensive player then at that point that's Um, all i've ever wanted harden to do yeah you know like damn but so perzingis um just uh, an albatross of a contract um Mm -hmm. He's um, – what position is he? I mean, I get – I jokingly called him a two um, before we started recording the podcast. But, like, honestly, like, is his rim protection good enough for him to play five? Like, is – like, is he good enough on the interior or on – well, I guess on – Never mind, because I don't care how good a person is on the interior on offense, and no one <laughs> should. Um, but yeah, like, is he like is he good enough at rim protection to play the five? Is he good enough at help defense to play the four? Like, right. My, I mean, I think he's definitely a five in terms of because he's not he's lost some mobility, you know, through the injuries and everything. He's just getting yeah. older. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think he's a four in terms of being able because if you're a four, you're going to have to guard a lot of wings and that's just not going to be good for him. But yeah. I, I think he's a five for sure. I don't think he's a good five. Like, I don't think he's a good player right now. Um, and I, I think that they need to get rid of him because I think Luca is good enough to where I think they're going to be able to sign a free agent. If they need to, you know, if there's one that fits, I think they're going to be able to sign somebody pretty good to play with Luca. And you don't need you don't need a second guy that's just out of this world to win with Luca. You know, you need a guy like if they had Drew Holiday right now, they beat the Clippers pretty easily. Mm -hmm. You know, like they don't they just need like a serviceable two through five. And they're there. They're a contender because Luca is that good. And, you know, trading Porzingis to get a shorter contract, bad contract, to get him off the books quicker, I think is a move that they should make. I really do. Like, I don't – because to me, if the fit was going to work and truly work, it would have worked by now, right? Yeah. Well, and the other thing about Chris Stapps is, like, like he was grousing about his touches um, in the media after, after the season ended. But, like – he and Luca 
are are not friends. Like they don't actually like each other. Um, and I think Cuban has um, said that it like he thinks that's a thing that'll work itself out. But like don't don't let your love of tall white men do this to you, Mark Cuban. Like right. trade. You need to trade Chris Stapps. You need to get him off the books. You need to put a good roster around Luca. Um, because otherwise it's going to be infuriating to watch him flounder for the like five more years you control his destiny. And then he's going to leave. Yeah. He's probably going to go to Los Angeles. Probably because they will be able to put players around him. You know, yeah. like that's the late, that's literally the Lakers history, you know, like get the guy and then they get other people to come play with him, you know, and that makes sense. But, um, yeah, it's it's super it's super interesting. And you know, I, I think that the Thunder could play a role in this. And I like I just I look at Al Horford and I look I mean his contract, I think he has one more year of, you know, full salary. And then I think it's only about fourteen million guaranteed on the last year, so you could cut him and save a, a lot of money in that last season. Um so you're getting off of the contract a year earlier anyways. And then I also just think Al Horford would be better with Luca than Chris Stapps. You know, like Al Horford can be a good defensive player. He yeah. passes the ball well. Because, yeah. you know, if you have Al Horford, Luca doesn't have to initiate everything. You know, you can do some dribble handoff stuff. You can have Al Horford passing from the high post. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that makes tons of sense to me. So... The way I view it, and as a Thunder person, if I'm looking at this situation, I, I see Chris Stapps there, super unhappy. I think there's still a good basketball player in there, you know? And, like, if you put Chris Stapps with Shea, even if Chris Stapps is just a shooting five, like, you want a shooting five with Shea, right? Yeah. I mean, you know? the reality is that he's seven foot three and still shoots 38%. Uh, from the from three like he's yeah. he's good here's this is my thing when i think about chris Stapps on the thunder is um he's never averaged more he's never averaged two assists a game um he's he's not a good passer of the basketball mm-hmm. um he he's not really a passer of the basketball and part of that right. was he was on shitty New York teams, but like <laughs> he was playing with Luca and he wasn't a good passer of the basketball. Yeah. Um, I and just, I, 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 I don't know about having a ball stopper at be like, I'm as like a, like kind of a mediocre stretchy five. Yeah. To me, I just, honestly, I don't really care. Because I do think that, you know, we're still in kind of an experiment, experimental phase of the mm-hmm. Thunder, you know? And, like, you put Chris Stapps out there, at the very least, he's going to space the floor reasonably well. And then if you get him, you know, you're going to give him more touches than he was getting with the Mavs. That's true. Like, maybe he's the kind of guy that just needs to touch the ball a lot more for him to be truly effective offensively. You know, because there have been times when Luke has been injured that Chris mm-hmm. Stapps has looked pretty good. You know, he's the number one option at that point, you know, and if you can get him in Oklahoma City where, you know, 
he's playing with Shea. Like Shea is not a like a, an incredibly high volume guy. You know, he's gonna get the ball to to Chris Stapps. Running pick and pop with Chris Stapps seems pretty good to me. Yeah, you know? that's true. And like yeah. it just to me, it opens up driving lanes for Shea. Because to me, what Oklahoma City showed me this year is that they want multiple guys on the court that can dribble and drive, right? You know, preferably mm-hmm. all five. But you know, if your five man can't do it, but he's a good shooter, he's going to open it up for everybody else. You know? Yeah, that's true. And, and so, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's really early to say this about Dagnall, but this like this is potentially the most pass friendly offensive system he would have ever played in. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Theoretically, like it, it could it could really work, you know, and and then if it does, I don't even necessarily know if if Chris Stapps has to be a long term thing. Maybe you flip him, you know, yeah, like maybe yeah. you can flip him for he's a couple. Just, yeah, assets. he's just like the latest like <laughs> rehab star. In yeah, you're turning Al Horford into Chris Stapps Porzingis. Yeah. And like what I guess my question for you, what would you be? willing to go like would you be willing to attach anything without horford to get chris Stapps? um i do think you have to yeah um, i do too but i like just in money wise i think you have to um but also i think you probably like should um in terms of like actually making an actionable deal um yeah. well first of all from a money standpoint you don't have to because the thunder have so much cap room you know, they true. can they can take back more salary but to me, the the trade that I've kind of thought of is Chris Stapps, one of the Clippers picks, probably next year's Clippers pick, and then Mitchich. Because we know, yeah. actually, know that's, Mark yeah, I actually really like that. Love Mitchich. Yeah. Another white international player. Mark Cuban will be all over that. Yeah. And Mitchich also, also like, might be just really good for them. But yeah, I mean, Mitchich is really good. I mean, he was yeah. EuroLeague MVP. He's a he's a good player, and I don't have any understanding of why he would want to play on the Thunder. But Either. I like the idea of playing with Luca makes instant sense. So yes, right. Yeah, he could be that guy that gives them another creator. So yeah, to me it makes sense for both teams. I don't think the Mavs will do it because I think the Mavs are gonna stick with Kristaps and they're gonna do it. They're gonna stick with him for too long and they're gonna regret it. Um, and I you know I. <laughs> the Mavs might just wind up looking very similar to this season next year. And that would be a mistake. But like, I just, I think of the Mavs, if you give them a guy in Mitchich who can be a creator for a second unit and still, I mean, you could still play with, with Luca. That wouldn't be that bad of a fit. And then you give him Al Horford, you replace Chris Stapps, Who's just like not a good defensive player. You know, Al Horford's still a, you know, he's not, like a high volume three point shooter, but he can still space the floor some. He's a much better passer than Chris Stapps. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I think it just really opens up things for for the Mavs, and then they're getting off that contract a lot quicker, you know. And then you go, then you might be able to go get a free agent, you know, so to come play with Luca. So yeah. to me, the the trade makes a lot of sense for both sides, too. Honestly, yeah, you know. So you know, the Thunder get a young guy that can space the floor for Shea at the least. He is a guy that at one point people thought he was going to be an elite player. Maybe that player's still in there somewhere. He's just a really bad fit with Luca. And then he comes to a more 
friendly system where he's going to get more opportunity in Oklahoma City, maybe he takes advantage of it. You know, like, yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a thing that you you try out if you're Oklahoma City. You know, uh-huh. like I, that kind of deal because his salary literally doesn't matter. The Thunder are not going to be using that space. Yeah, you know, like so I I'm interested in this. I don't think the Maz would go for it. I think the Thunder would. I think the Thunder would go for it, though, to be yeah. honest. I th- yeah, honestly. Especially if they got a good pick this year. Yeah. Because you know, that might yeah. – if you get the number one pick this year, you might need to start thinking about winning some basketball games. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think – I mean, having Cade and Shea oh – God, I can't, I can't even say it out loud because it makes me so happy to think about – and yeah. it would be so disappointing if, it, if I let myself be happy about it and it doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, no, I think it, I think it makes sense, especially if that's the deal, right? Um, yeah. because there's some other things you could do. You could touch Dort, you could touch Kenrich Williams, um, Mitchich, I think yeah. it, it's such a mutual benefit thing because the reality is like, there's not a place on the thunder for Vesley Mitchich. Like he's not going to come over if it is to play with the thunder. Um, and he wants to come over. So like. The only way for the Thunder to make this an actual asset is to trade his rights. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade Lou Dort in this deal. I think Dort is too valuable. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dort would be great in Dallas yeah. too. If but... if you if you sent Horford and Dort, you would need more than Chris Stapps, I think. Yeah. No, I think so too. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know what they have to. Yeah. Incentivize us to do that at that point, but mm-hmm. you know, I would you know if they wanted Kenrich Williams. Sure. I don't I don't value Kenrich Williams that much. You know, I'm impressed. Yeah, but you know, if you, you can find another Kenrich Williams. Yeah. So I just to me, like, if that's what it took to get the deal done, sure, go ahead and do it. Um but yeah, I think honestly, I think we just fixed the Mavs, to be to be completely honest with you. Yeah. They just need um, to they just need to be smart enough to listen. Yeah. Again, being a GM is really easy and right. um I don't know why I was worried about Brad Stevens. He's going to be great at it because it's really easy. The Bucks Um, are now down by 43 points, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're going to lose this game by like 50. Um, It's this is the thing is like it's one thing that the Nets are going to hang like 130 on them, but like if you can't break 100 against the Nets against Blake Griffin at center, yeah, you're you're not a good basketball team. Yeah, that's pathetic, man. Jesus. Yeah, I, I wish, man, I wish Giannis was on a different team. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. But, oh, well, he's not. So, all right, let's move on. We talked a long time about the, the Mavs and Clippers. I guess, I guess it, it would, it would make a lot of sense for us to go to the, the Lakers Sun series now. Yeah. Completely meaningless. Uh, moving on. No, let's, so, yeah. um, I think this is maybe the most human LeBron James has looked in a very long time. Yeah. So here's, I'm just going, I'm going to sound like a complete apologist for this entire thing that we talk about. That's fine. But I mean, a, the Lakers, like I said, with the heat, they were not set up for success going into this season. It's just, that is just a fact. You know, they played longer than anybody else. And they had, you know, the shortest off season. And then, you know, they also 
LeBron is 36. LeBron's still maybe the best player in the NBA when healthy, but he's 36 years old off a short off season and a dude dove into his ankle. Mm-hmm. He was playing some of the best basketball of his freaking career before then. People were talking about him as an MVP candidate. And then he misses more than 20 games. He played two games before the playoffs started. And then he never looked like LeBron that we know of in the playoffs. And the Lakers, the way they are constructed, are more reliant on their two superstars than any other team that has two superstars because of who those superstars are. Their defense is built around Anthony Davis. Their offense is built entirely around LeBron James. So when those two guys aren't at 100% or not there at all, they're not going to do anything very well. And this entire season, I think, was was kind of – Anthony Davis never really truly looked like himself. And I think that had a lot to do with the the short offseason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this series, it was just kind of the season from hell for them. You know, like it just – it kind of, to me, I think of it as like it was the price you pay for winning a championship last year. You know, it's like you're just not really ready to go for a full eight, you know, however many games, you know, 72 games and then playoffs. You're just not going to be able to make it that way when you're constructed the way they are with LeBron, who's 36, and Anthony Davis, who um, is is a bit of a fragile person. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the thing is they had – Two incredible players, but one of them's old and the other one's fragile, and they didn't have very long to rehab. Right. And it's, yeah, it's just a reality that, like, yeah. They, I, um, I, I think it would be a complete and utter mistake to think that LeBron, where the, the LeBron that we know is done. You know, I, I got in a very small argument. Our, uh, our Twitter DM group has been very quiet recently, so I've taken to like just tweeting myself. Ooh, um, dangerous. More often, and I, I there's this like Thunder person that I follow, and I he talked about like I think LeBron in the fourth quarter of Game Six asked to be subbed out, and he thought, oh, it's over. You know, he's never asked to be subbed out in that situation, which is probably true. Like that's you know I'm not arguing that point. But I, I just asked him, I was like, what's over? He's like, LeBron as LeBron. And I was like, I mean, the dude was hurt, right? And then he talked about how Chris Paul was hurt too. And I'm like, okay, this is a stupid argument. So, But the, my point is, I think it'd be really silly to, to think that that's the case. Because before he was hurt, he was playing at an elite MVP level. He was the best player in the world eight months ago in a playoff run by far. And the dude just, he wasn't a hundred percent and he didn't have Anthony Davis. Like it, it makes complete and total sense that he would play that way, you know? And just because we've never seen LeBron look like that before necessarily, like, doesn't mean that he won't look like he did again. You know what I mean? Like he, has been unbelievably lucky to not have guys dive into his ankles in his career. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I what I mark it down to, you know? Like, what does this season look like for the Lakers if if Solomon Hill doesn't dive into his ankles, you know? Yeah. Like, I, the Lakers probably aren't the freaking seven seed, tell you that much, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it is highly likely that LeBron gets this offseason of rest 
I think he's going to come back and play at an MVP level next year as a 37-year-old. That's absurd. It's stupid that that's going to be the case. But I think it's what's going to happen. I don't think we're done with best player in the world, LeBron. You know? And, yeah. So that that's how I feel. Anthony Davis, also, he needs a long break. He's got to play a lot better. You know, he was not Anthony Davis from, you know, last year at all this year, really. Yeah. And I just... I frequently don't fully understand what's um, what's going on with him. He's uh, just a really inconsistent player. And part of that has to do with being a guy who's easily banged up, which probably yeah. has a lot to do with the degree to which he was the load he was carrying in New Orleans for so many years. Yeah. Um, I don't think those things are separable. Um, and what out what out real quick again, and I, uh, apologist Alex is here, but Anthony, he is not an inconsistent defensive player, and yeah. he is. I think he is truly the best defensive player in the league. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Like, I don't think there's there's not another player that combines his abilities at the rim and um, at the perimeter. No, like Rudy anybody. might be better at the rim. There are a handful of guys who are probably better at the perimeter. Nobody can do both as well as he does. No, like there's no nobody else can guard one one through five as well as he does, and that's. Um, he's just incredibly good at it. He's unreal. Uh, the the problem is, offensively, he he's a guy who settles offensively. Yes, and it's probably when he's not feeling one hundred percent. Yes. Well, here's what I'll say: like the Lakers need to do whatever they can do. I mean, he just he needs to play center. He yeah. won't do it. He doesn't want to do it. He's always averse to doing it. But my God, dude, I think what I don't think he doesn't or what I think he doesn't understand is that I think his life would actually be a lot easier as a center because, A, are there nights you're going to have to guard Nikola Jokic? Yes. Are there nights you're going to have to guard Joel Embiid? Yes. But everything else that you do is going to be so much easier because it's going to be freaking you and LeBron running pick and rolls and you're going to be catching open dunks quite often, or you're going to be spacing the four and LeBron's going to be driving on a five out system. Everything's just going to be easier for you offensively. And then from a defensive standpoint, his job is hard as shit right now because he's always guarding these like little ass Jay Crowder wing types and then he usually has to close as a center anyways, you know? Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think, um, like, the reality is, like, there are nights when being a five in this league is really challenging. And for, you know, like, this is a point, however, in his career where that's maybe the case the fewest number of nights. Right. Um I don't know if he's – I don't know how many centers the quality of Joel Embiid he's ever had to guard. But you're going to play Joel Embiid maybe twice a season and then maybe, maybe in a seven-game series in the finals. So you can do that. That's okay. Yeah. Jokic, same thing. I mean, yeah. you got to play him a little bit more. And, you know, if the Lakers need to have a center that starts, fine. But they've really, really got to figure out a way to not invest a lot in centers. You know, like last year they started to essentially minimum. I think JaVale was making more than the minimum, but they were starting two guys 
that had did not make very much money, you know. And then the playoffs, they wound up starting Anthony Davis at times, anyways, at the center. But if even that, I think works. But you just can't. You can't have Marcus Saul on your team. You can't have Montrez Harrell on the team. You can't have Andre Drummond on the team. You can't have three centers that you're paying money for, you know. And I mean, Drummond signing Drummond was a disaster. It was really dumb. It looked. You know, I was hopeful that it would work, but it was just never a good decision. It made things so yeah. freaking hard. You know, like the Lakers, there were times where the Lakers looked physically overwhelming for the, the Suns when they had both those guys out there. But still, everything looked so hard offensively because yeah. Drummond was just in there, in the paint. You know, it yeah. made things hard for LeBron, made things a lot harder for Anthony Davis. Like they've, you know, you've, you've got to find cheap centers that don't need to play very many minutes so that you can be like, Oh, Anthony, there's not really a center on the court right now. So we're going to play you as center. You're going to close as a center every night, you know, like that, that's just what they need to do because he is, when he is playing the center at his best, he's the best center in the league. Yeah. You know, especially with LeBron. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that AD playing center does is it lets LeBron play his natural position. Right. Like LeBron's uh, a four. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. He's the best player in the world. He should be allowed to play his natural position. Um, and, like, yeah. And, I mean, LeBron can LeBron literally can play one through five. I mean, he's demonstrated that across his career. Yeah. He has been a point guard on this Lakers team. He's pretty – he's basically been a two at points this year. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he's been three, four, and five, too. Like, so that's, like, let LeBron play four. AD plays five. LeBron can, you know, instead of having to chase around guards or whatever, um, be or deal with, you know, wing like actual like slashing wings every night. Like he can stand in the corner with Jay Crowder and play free center because he's thirty-seven years old. Yeah. Um, free center, and he's amaz- free safety. He, yeah, he's amazing at that job too because he sees the game so well. Like he's yeah. an incredible help defender. So like. It makes it makes so much sense, and it does worry me that Anthony Davis, like to me, Anthony Davis is his own worst enemy. You know, like I've I've thought that for a while. Like, dude, just play your best position. You know, like, and you know, honestly, too, you're probably gonna have to play fewer minutes because the Lakers are gonna be kicking people's ass if you're playing center more. Yeah, you know, like you're gonna have less wear and tear, and I just. I, I don't know what it is about him that he's just like, no, I, I don't want to play center. I can't handle the beating it takes, you know? It's like, first of all, you have you ever done it? How do you know? You've never done it before. You know, like, shit, man. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just very frustrating. And, you know, I may, if the Lakers could find like a four that's willing to guard Joel Embiid in the post, like, and then let Davis be like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is if he's just not ever going to play center. Cause I remember, cause at one point I think he was starting with Randall in new Orleans and like he was playing center for the most part. But like, mm-hmm. I remember Alvin Gentry saying that he had to like write power forward next to his name. Just otherwise he was going to get pissed off. You know, yeah, even though he was doing everything that a center would do. It's yeah, it's it's just a I don't I don't it's get baffling. It, it is yeah. absolutely baffling. 
Like, I so. mean, it's frustrating. And then, you know, the Lakers, they shot so poorly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're so dependent on LeBron and Anthony Davis that when those guys aren't superhuman, instead of having role players that can pick up the slack, those guys tend to just fold <laughs> when that's the case. And that's exactly what happened in that series. You know, yeah. KCP was terrible. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder was terrible for the most part. Like it just, just didn't work. And it, it really sucked to watch because I do truly think that the Lakers would have made the finals if, if they were healthy. Um, there were times this year where I was like, Oh, this, this team is probably the best team LeBron's ever been on. You know, like it was some yeah. pretty incredible stuff with, you know, the yeah. passing Marcus Gasol brought to the team, the shooting that he brought, you know, Schroeder, whenever every, everything was going well, like Schroeder was like the point guard that LeBron needed to play with, you know, like he could take some pressure off of him and, yeah, it was just like really, really good. But yeah, yeah just a lineup of, of Shooter, KCP, LeBron, AD, Gasol playing at their potential is incredible. That's an incredible basketball team. Yeah. But I, I think they played like 88 minutes or something together this year. <laughs> right. It's like uh, for one thing, like there pieces of that were either hurt or out of rhythm or. Being For Andre some reason, Drummond. Frank Vogel hated them. Um, yeah. Like, you know, there's not really... I don't fully understand what happened to Mark Gasol this season. Um, Andre Drummond happened. I mean, that's that's literally right. what it was. It was just so dumb. Yeah. <sighs> Damn it. Yeah. I'm getting sad talking about this, but... Right. Uh, let's talk about the Suns before we leave this matchup. Um, Devin Booker's really good. Devin Booker's really I, good. I used to be a Devin Booker hater, and I was wrong. I mean, that's just um, that's all there is to it. I was wrong about Devin Booker. I think it's just like really, really, really obvious now that Chris Paul makes every team he is on like much, much better. Yeah. Um, like those Rockets teams with Chris Paul were way better than that Rockets team with Russell Westbrook. The Thunder team with Chris Paul was way better than the Thunder team with Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Um, and um, the Suns this year were just really good. Um, I, they are still because they're still in the playoffs, I guess. Um, they're a very good team. Yeah. And Chris Paul was, like, effective even though he wasn't healthy. You know, he had the, the shoulder thing going. Yeah. You know, he was still effective. And then Devin Booker just decided he was going to go to that next level. You know, like, he, he was unbelievable. You know, especially games five and six. Like, he was just... He was like, the series is over, and I'm going to make sure it is. You know, yeah. like he was he was great. DeAndre Ayton was great. You know, and again, I'm. It was still incredibly stupid for them to pick him over Luka Doncic. Because can you imagine what Luka and Devin Booker would look like together? Yeah, like, my yeah, God, it would have been incredible. Like, there's no, there's just absolutely no excuse for any of the teams that didn't take Luka, especially the Kings. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, sure. the 2018 draft. I just can't get over how good that draft was. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Kings took Bagley at two. Um, so That's many guys. Go ahead. Bagley's a guy that I've thought about the Thunder trading for before. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a guy like sure. Let's let's take a flyer on him. The Kings should give up. 
So yeah. we should see if there's if he actually was good, and it's just that the Kings are the Kings. I yeah. think there's a lot of value as a franchise and just like making sure the Kings, making <laughs> sure that it was the Kings being the Kings and not yeah. this player actually being a bust. Um, right. I think yeah, there are a few franchises you can do that with. Let's um, get let's get Marvin Bagley. Let's get Kevin Knox in here. Yeah. Mo just, Bamba. Let's get Mo Bamba. Yeah. <laughs> let's just get all of these bad franchises players and just see if there's anything there. Because those... You know, Marvin Bagley, you know, I, I thought it was a bad pick. It was obviously a bad pick. But, like, I was like, Marvin Bagley's going to be a good NBA player. You know, I felt pretty confident that he was, and he just hasn't been. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, I would, you know, I'm not giving up much. I wouldn't give him a first-round pick of any kind. You no. know, but if they're like, give us Al Horford and whatever, you know, we'll give you Marvin Bagley and whatever salary filler you need, you know, like mm-hmm. I would do that. Give us Kenrich Williams. Sure. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I wouldn't give up, I wouldn't give up Taylor Maladon for him, you know? Yeah. But, you know, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to, to try that out, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting draft. And like, there's some, you know, Michael Porter jr. Might be the second or not second. He might be the third best player in that draft. You know, and he's taken at 14. Shea at 11. Pretty damn good. Mikhail Bridges at 10. It's a good draft, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Michael Porter Jr., do we want to talk about the what I believe is the last remaining series? Yeah. And that, you know, that was definitely intentional. I think that this series has become a very, very significant series, mm-hmm. you know, even just today. You know, just yeah. by, in the last couple of days. But, yeah. you know, what – first of all, I mean, just to gush about Nikola Jokic, like that dude, he's awesome. He's incredible. Like, yeah. Um, uh, he's going to be the MVP of the league this year, which is very well deserved. But, my God, like that guy, he's like – he's the Luka of centers. You know, if Luka was a seven-foot center, he'd be Nikola Jokic. You know, like it, they're just, they're both just ridiculously skilled, like skilled beyond like almost anything we've ever seen, to be honest. I just, I can't, there was, um, I, this might've even been a game that like Dame won for the Blazers at the end or something. No, I think, I think they ultimately lost. Uh, this was, I think this was from the game that like Dame sent to overtime twice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there was a play five. where Jokic is in the high post and his manipulation of the game from the high post is like it's gorgeous to watch. Um yeah. he like motions for Aaron Gordon to cut to the rim. And then he's like he he, he does this so quickly you can tell he's not reacting to the defense he knows logically based on how the defense is set up that that will make michael porter jr open in the corner yeah and so like he sends gordon on on the um decoy route essentially and the ball's out in the air before robert covington even realizes he's wrong like it's incredible like um and also like he's also like able to get his own ridiculous shot whenever it's so stupid 
mm-hmm. um, that he has made his like that his signature move is a wrong-footed fadeaway. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. He's, I mean, his shot. I mean, first of all, he's a giant person. You know, he's like six yeah. eleven with a seven four wingspan, but his shot is like over his head, so you mm-hmm. can't block it. Even though he's super, he doesn't really jump very high. You know, he's. I, I love watching the guy play, you know, mm-hmm. and him and Luca are really kind of like they're kind of honestly changing the way that I watch basketball in a lot of ways, or at least kind of like look for like when I look into the draft, you know, I, I'm starting to value guys with skill sets more. I've always been really high on, you know, athletic traits. You know, I was kind of, you know, because that's what the Thunder did. And I thought it made sense, you know, and like. You can get good players that way, but like when you have geniuses on your basketball court, you're just you just become a at a, a different level team, and it almost yeah. doesn't matter who you put with them, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, we talked about how shitty some of Luca's teammates are. Like, it didn't didn't really matter. They were still a good playoff team. They took a much better team to Game Seven because Luca's a genius. Nikola Jokic beat Damian Lillard, who people just love. Maybe mm-hmm. he beat Dame in in seven with Compazzo and Austin Rivers as his starting backcourt. Yeah, yeah. It you was know? just like it was hilarious to watch like guys like Matt Moore on Twitter lament the loss of PJ Dozier uh, from right. his team. It's like, oh, if we had PJ, just watch out. Um, right. No, Luke um, Jokic is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, these guys, they are the new age. Like we've talked about it for years. LeBron is one of those guys that he makes everybody on the court better by the yeah. way he plays and passes. Chris Paul is one of those guys that, you know, they, they're geniuses on the court. And that that's that's Jokic and, and Luka. You know, they're just they're absolute geniuses on the basketball court and. It's it's incredible to watch, you know. And so, like I said, like I, I look at these guys and I wonder, I'm like, man, should I be even higher on Cade than I am? You know, because Cade has that potential, you know. And like there's other guys later in the draft that have physical limitations that I'm like, uh, in the past I would not like. But now I'm like, well, this guy's supposedly a really good passer. Maybe I should be really high on him. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of guy the Thunder should get or something, you know? And it's these guys are kind of changing the way I kind of watch basketball. But, um, but yeah, so that's the Nuggets. I think, honestly, if they had Murray, I would probably pick them to go to the finals this year. Um, mm. I was scared of them when the Lakers, when I thought the Lakers might be healthy because Michael Porter Jr. is really good. Um, and that's kind of all they needed. They just needed Michael Porter Jr. to be really good, and they were going to be a contender. Yeah. Uh, I I think that they're going to win a title at some point in the next few years. I really do. Like because no one's ever going to have an answer for Jokic, and they're not gonna they're not gonna face Philly in the finals. It's never going to happen. No. No one they play in the finals is going to have an answer for Jokic. And it's like like is Joel like is there an answer to Jokic? Like, you can't, like, he's not really guardable. (laughs) No. If his shot is falling, that's not really a thing that a defender has anything to do with. (laughs) The most you could do is take away everything else from him. 
Right. Well, and the thing, too, is that Michael Porter Jr. is kind of that kind of guy, too, where it doesn't really matter how you defend him sometimes. Yeah, he's like 6'10", and he shoots he's, like 80% from three. He's insane, you know? And Murray, too. At times, Murray, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, they have three guys like that. You know, it's kind of what we talk about with the Nets. Like, you can't have too many of those guys. And whenever you have just an absolute genius running your offense – like I don't really care about defensively. I don't. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like it just, it's gonna work. And I, I think, I think it's gonna work for them. And you know, it'll be, I'll be interested to see how I, I react when the, if the Nuggets ever win a title. You know, because that'll be kind of weird. Just one of those things I never thought I would see. But, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about Portland. Yeah. Um. Well, the important thing that Neil O'Shea wants you to know is that it's not uh, it's not the roster's fault. Um, roster construction is not the reason they lost this series. Um, and I guess in a sense that's true um, because the Nuggets are really good and theoretically they could have beaten a good roster too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess Neil O'Shea is right that they didn't lose this series because of the way their roster is currently. They also could have lost it if their roster was significantly better. Right. Well, the problem with the the Blazers is that, like, you know, there's no secret. Their defense is bad. Yeah. And it's been bad for a while. And they thought Robert Covington, of all people, was going to just fix it. Robert Covington's a good defensive player. He's not a good on-ball defender. He's a good off-ball defender. Um, you know, he can do a lot of little things that help you defensively. But that requires other guys around him to stay in front of their man, you know? Like, that's an important part of defense, you know? And when that doesn't happen, Robert Covington's not going to fix all of your issues. He's not Anthony Davis defensively. Yeah, He's not Rudy Gobert defensively. So that was a huge problem. Dame is, you know, Dame is not a good defender. You know, he definitely has a lot of offensive burden, you know, so it just, it's not an important thing to him, which is fine. CJ is limited defensively. He's not particularly good. And then, you know, Nurkic is okay at times, but Nurkic cannot guard Jokic. Jokic had him in foul trouble every game. You know, like you, you have to have waves of guys to throw at at Jokic because he's going to get your first guy into foul trouble, first of all. And then, you know, like when your backup is in his canter, you're probably screwed, you know. And if like I saw a lot of Robert Covington on Jokic, it's just never going to work. No, it's just no. will not work. No, and again, not that really anything is going to work, um, but like Robert Covington, like you've failed to I think you've really failed to fundamentally understand the problem um if you end up with Covington on Jokic um the um yeah uh they're not a good roster um it's okay to be really bad at defense if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden and like Dame is one guy who is as good as those guys maybe uh, CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony <laughs> Norm are Powell. not. No. no, they're really not. I and I just, 
I don't know what I would do if I were the Blazers. I know what I would do if I were Dame. I would want to get the hell out of there. But he's signed for like $500 million for the next five years or something insane. So, like, he's there. Um, but, yeah, they're just going to be this first-round exit team. I really, I really think that. Like, they're, you know, they had their nice, cute little Western Conference Finals run when then they got swept by a Warriors team that didn't even have KD. Like, that's probably the peak of what they're ever going to accomplish there. You know, and it's it's cool for them that they got a couple of Dame Willard walk-off three-pointers against inferior teams. Like, that's great for them. But I, I just don't see any upside with this with this team. You know, like Zach Collins being so injury-prone. Like, Zach Collins, if he had fulfilled his potential, he was the kind of guy that I yeah. felt like could really help them. Yeah. But he's just, like, super injury-prone, and he's never been that guy when he's healthy anyways. So, like, mm-hmm. it's just... I don't know what the answer is, but yeah. I don't – I mean, they could trade CJ, sure, you know, and that's probably what I would do. Um, even if it's just getting, like, two or three role players, I think that could help because, you know, they need they need to replace the Mellows. They need to replace the Cantors of the, of the world in their roster uh, in order to truly have a chance to be able to put, put together a defense that has a chance to do anything. Yeah. You know, and, you know, if you've got Covington and he's like your starting four, I think that's workable. You need a guy at the three that can guard on ball. Um, you need a guy at the two that can guard on ball because Dame's not going to do it and he shouldn't have to. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think that they're they're kind of screwed in, a, in most ways. So um, and I would if I were if I were a Portland fan. I would be freaking the fuck out about what I heard Neil Olshay say today. Yeah. You know, the fact that he's literally putting it all on his coach that he just fired. This was a coach that was there for years. You didn't Mm -hmm. see this as a problem until this year. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? Um, Like the other thing is that did you see? um, What was the what was the thing? Um, Oh, Right. So after Stock gets fired, you saw who Dame wanted, right? Yeah, Jason Kidd. Yeah. Yeah. Who is declined to be considered for the job. Right. I don't know what's going to happen there. I I just I don't know. Like maybe Stott isn't a good coach, but he sure seemed like a fine coach yeah. when he took you to the Western Conference Finals. Like. Right. You know, I don't really know what a coach does on a team with Dame Lillard on it. Like, Dame should run pick and rolls. Yeah. Um, and then, like, don't be the worst defensive team imaginable. That's a pretty successful basketball team. Again, turns out being a coach isn't that hard. Um, right, right. Basketball's easy. Um, there's, yeah. So, I just, I think this quote from O'Shea is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I think it really symbolizes the degree to which, like, Dame has, like, it's it's put Dame in an awkward position because it's very much his brand now to be loyal to Portland. But, like, yeah, Portland just, like, that organization doesn't deserve it at this point. Um, Yeah. If they really look at this roster and say, oh, wow, no, actually, 
we really screwed this up really badly. We need to make massive changes immediately. Then, yeah. like, maybe Dame decides to stay because he likes, you know, going to the Japanese friendship garden. But <laughs> there's, like, no basketball reason to do so. No. This this organization has failed you. Yeah. No, I... I thought a co- I think it was a couple years ago. I honestly thought he was on his way to the Lakers um, after they got LeBron, mm-hmm. and like him and LeBron would just be an unbelievable pairing together. Um, but like, go go find a place you can win. It's like Bradley Beal. You know, I mean, he's in a better situation than Beal. Like, not don't get me wrong there, but like, he's just. I don't think he's ever going to win anything in Portland. You're right. He has kind of made it his brand to like, I think he's gotten into it with Kevin Durant before about leaving or something. And and it's like, well, Kevin Durant's winning and you are losing in the first round every year, you know? Mm -hmm. And if that's good for you, cool. You know, you're going to be the most beloved Portland trailblazer ever probably, which is great. You know, if that's what you want to do, but don't act like it's all about winning for you if that's the case, you know, because it isn't. You know, it's all about staying in Portland and being the best player in Portland. That's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I personally – I think he's on his way to eventually realizing that he can't win there. And he's probably going to be like 33 or 34 when he figures that out. He's still going to be really good at 34. Like, don't get me wrong there. He's not Russell Westbrook in that way. But – yeah. Um, and you know, not to shit on Russ. Like Russ is still good. Like I, I shouldn't say that, but yeah. And I mean, yeah. What Russ did this season was incredible. It was a really cool story. Yeah. Um, he's never, he's not going to win a championship. Um, no. As a starter, probably. And that's just, that's just going to be how his career goes. Maybe he, maybe he gets a ring, has a veteran presence on a, on a team, um, that doesn't really need him, but. Other than that, he's just going to be this this remarkable maximalist basketball expression, um, and it's cool, but it's not going to win a championship. Uh, and it's yeah, it's also like there will be a drop off pretty soon. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Russ's contract currently, so he only has two years left on that which man that's time flies i remember that was like i remember how ridiculously worried i was when i was like oh my god we have four or five years left on this thing and Mm -hmm. god i'm glad we traded him jesus (laughs) but yeah all right so that's you know that's that's kind of i guess where we should probably leave it we went through every team and we've been going for almost two hours yeah normal time so good job us (laughs) <laughs> yeah, do you, um, do you have anything else god do i have anything else i don't know did you pay attention to formula one at all this weekend i did not i i mean i, I saw people reacting to it and i saw that lewis hamilton came in like 15th so i, I figured oh, something it happened it was wild um go uh you should go check out the highlights um just um like just a massive strange wild weekend uh in which like Lance Stroll and Max Verstappen could have died. Um, oh. So uh, the short version is that Pirelli told the teams that the hard tire was good for 40 laps, and it definitely wasn't. So um, 
Max's at first. So first, I'm like, Lance starts at the back because he crashed in qualifying. And um, mm-hmm. he, uh, so he starts on the hard because it's just like, you know, whatever. And basically everybody else in the field is um, going to do the soft for as long as they can and then switch to the hard tire. Yeah, um, yeah. And Lance is going to start on the hard tire because, you know, just to see maybe something different works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance gets 30 laps in and his rear left explodes on the straight. Um, it's like he's going like 200 miles an hour and it's like he basically has a blowout at 200 miles an hour and goes like careening into the wall. Um, and then but so they bring out the safety car and everything stops. And then lap, I think, like 49 of 51 or something, like 48 of 51. I think they did like a couple laps under safety car. Um, Max is in first, and the same thing happens. Um, and then, um, so like his rear left just explodes on the straight after doing like 10 fewer laps than Pirelli said it should have been able to do. Um, and uh so they red flag the race then on restart um going into turn one lewis locks up he lewis is in second behind sergio perez he locks up going into turn one and the entire field passes him as he has to reverse out of the escape route and go past him and so that's the reason lewis finished 15th and sergio perez won a race for red bull yeah it was wild yeah that sounds crazy. Yeah, I saw a lot of reaction to it on mm-hmm. Twitter on Sunday, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but I didn't did not follow it. I think you know, kind of moving forward, like the lottery is not that far. It's like two weeks away. That's true. Twenty second. That's gonna be a. That's gonna be quite the day. Jesus. It's like in two weeks. Yeah. God. Yeah. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two Don't. weeks from tomorrow. I realized today it was in 15 days, and it didn't click on me. Like, yeah, that's two weeks. Right. And then we're yeah. going to know. And we're going to know. Dude, oh, if, God. if we get one in five, I I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. If but, you get one in five, do you trade for Przingis, or do you aim higher? You're talking about Domas at that point, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, like that's <laughs> that's the other that's the other thing I would like to do is get Domas, but like, yeah, I just, even, I don't even think if Domas that was off the table, would you go for Przingis, or would you say like, now that's like that's too much of a like long shot. We need to focus more on winning now. No, you would probably still do it, I guess, if it was an option. If the deal we talked about was an option, you would definitely do it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you'd do it because, you know. I mean, you're still not looking at being a great team next year. So I, I just don't know. I don't know what, you know, you've got to trade Al Horford, I think, because having him on a team, even if you have one and five, I don't think is really that useful. Yeah. And, you know, Porzingis could be useful. Like, if you have, if you get Cade and Kaminga, mm-hmm. and then you hit on, at least, you know, Cade is great, and then Kaminga's like a starter, and then you hit on a Porzingis trade, that's your starting five, you know? Like, you've got Shea, you've got Cade, you've got Dort, you've got Kaminga, and you've got Kristaps. Like, that's a starting five that you can move forward with. 
you yeah. know, and it's not like, you know, in that Porzingis trade, I wasn't, you know, we weren't talking about giving up big assets, you know, you're not drying up your assets for that. And then if it doesn't work in a couple of years, he's going to be a 30 plus million dollar contract that you can use um, as an expiring to trade mm-hmm. for, you know, if there's a player that you want, then you can attach as many assets as you want to it, you know, so if, if that's when you're really trying to win. So I, I would do it personally, but I don't, again, I don't, I don't think the Mavs would, but yeah, if, if we get one and five, then it's, I don't know. It's over for everybody. It's God. I can't even, again, it's like not fair to me to think about it. No, it really isn't. It's, it's, I mean, hell not, it's not just one and five that like any, if we get two and five, three and five, four and five, I'm over the moon. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, or that's or just one. That's, if we get yeah, one, that's, that's part of the reason that thinking about one and five is like so, um, like unfair. Is like any of these five. Well, maybe not Kaminga. Kaminga's a risk, right? Compared to the other, compared to the guys ahead of yes. him. But like yes. all those guys, like every single one of those guys could be an all star. Yeah. And so the fact that Cade is like so clearly the best especially for us like there's like if all if we end up with four like if all we end up with is four or even all if all we end up with is five then like that's still amazing right yeah it's still good i i don't yeah. know if just five would I, I wouldn't be overly thrilled with that i'm not super high on kaminga to be honest with you like i i i, I yeah i Here's the thing about Kaminga is that he's not even 19 yet. Yeah. Um, that's he's got upside. I mean, he's got upside, but yeah. yeah, he just he does worry me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, 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 I think we'll definitely wind up. We'll talk a lot more about picks and and prospects, you know, before the draft, because mm-hmm. that's next month. I think the end of next month. So we there's quite a bit of time. And then, yeah, once we know exactly where we're slotted, it'll be a lot easier to kind of talk about players, you know. Right. But all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and end this. I think we're at yeah. like two hours. So. Thank you for listening to this very long episode of the Oklahoma Drill. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store or uh, on Podbean or anywhere you can stick an RSS feed. Um, Follow us on Twitter at uh, Perd underscore Happily and at RWMaxi. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>